Hello and welcome to Beyond Markets by Julius Baer, a series featuring conversations with experts to share recent market developments, key insights and strategic inputs from around the globe. In each episode, we cut through the noise to bring practical advice and macro research on today's shifting economic and market landscape. Please listen to the important legal information at the end of this podcast. Welcome to another episode of Beyond Markets by Julius Baer. My name is Kelly and I'm the Deputy Head of Research for Asia. Today, I am joined by Eric Anziani, who is the Chief Operating Officer of Crypto.com, and Nikola Dieskoronsky, who is the Co-Head of Investments and Wealth Management Solutions in Julius Baer. I think it's the first time both of you are joining us for a podcast, so welcome. Hello, Kelly. Nice to be here. Thanks for having us. Okay, right. So... We are talking about non-fungible tokens today. So let's just give our listeners a real quick brief, right? Description of what non-fungible tokens or NFTs are. So non-fungible basically means it's unique, can't really be replaced with something else. For example, a Bitcoin or dollar note is fungible. So you can change it for another Bitcoin or another dollar note and it's basically the same thing. But if you have a trading card, a baseball trading card or a Pokemon trading card and it's one of a kind, it is non-fungible. Basically, when you trade it for another card, you get a completely different thing. So this whole NFT boom really, really started when the famous NFT by Beeple, every day is the first 5,000 days, was sold for 69 US million dollars. Quite an astounding number. But what many people didn't know is that one, it was auctioned by Christie. There were 353 bits that were placed for this NFT by 33 bidders, right? So they were bidding up, 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 up all the time. And almost 60% of these bidders were millennials. They were born between 1981, 1996. And the rest basically were Gen X people. What's more, you know, 90 over percent of these clients that were bidding for this particular piece by people, 91% of them were brand new, right? Clients to the auction house. So there's very keen interest in this particular NFT. So, I mean, maybe a question to Eric here, right? This is probably the most expensive NFT out there, but essentially there are a bunch of pixels. And, you know, from July to September alone, about $11 billion worth of NFTs was transacted. I mean, why are people buying these pictures? It's a great question. I think if we step back on what NFTs are, they're really the ability to own and authenticate digital asset or, or collectible. So we're able to authenticate the provenance and who is the creator. And I think collectors and, and fans, they value this actual property of NFT like they do in the physical world when they buy baseball cards, as you mentioned, and they're issued by the league and they're authenticated. Or when they buy traditional art and they go to an auction house that certifies it or a gallery. So it's the same concept, but brought to the digital world. To your question on the people and the astronomical prices that we've seen for certain NFT, I think we should not spend too much time on it or have too much focus. NFT is here to stay. It's really this new digital form of ownership and it's going to impact our life across not only art, but also music, sport, gaming, and how we interact with brand and creators more broadly. That's great. Eric, just taking back on what you said, we see today many celebrities, singers, 
kids, people in my network now, they are all about NFT. There is definitely a fear of missing out. And we also saw some interesting pricing to say so on the market. So according to you, do we have a hype or is it a new norm? And what would you advise investors to be careful about? Well, I would say there's definitely some hype. And that's true when a new technology emerges. We see that very often and it's happening for NFT as well. But our view and my personal view is that NFTs are here to stay and they will be used in most industries. Today, even with the limited use cases that we see primarily around art, and Kelly mentioned it very rightly, we already have almost 10 billion of trading volume in just one quarter. So you can imagine the potential as it grows. The new use cases that we see emerging are around avatar and community, gaming, identity, and just as a way to power up new experiences. So again, I think for people, when they look at the space, I think they need to have an interest in the creator, in the brand. They need to look at the utility of some of these NFTs, and they need to be cautious because it's a new asset class, it's a new category. But broadly, it's here to stay. So I think it's definitely good for anyone to start experimenting, starting slow, to get a feel about the space that is going to change our life. Yeah, thank you, Eric, for this. And definitely, we see that the NFT market started with art, the most interesting topic at first to start with. But as you said, we have potentially other use cases. I heard people speaking about airline ticket as an example that could be traded back or social attributes, events. We have fan token that are going into the market. How do you see that? I mean, do you see other use cases and how do you think the platform will involve? Because most of the platform today are focusing truly on art only. I really see NFTs as the fundamental building block of the new digital virtual worlds that are emerging. And there's a lot of buzz around Web3 as well, which is kind of this new world that we're building on top of the internet. And NFT will be a key component of that. And the idea of Web3 is really a word that is more fair and, and more equitable, which is owned by the builders, the creator, and the users. And with an NFT, you have full control over your asset, and you can move it from platform to platform, which is very important in Web3 to have this interoperability. So this is really a fundamental use case and infrastructure element of the NFT. But then, as you mentioned, people will build and leverage this technology for avatars, identity management, the ability to control the data that they have and they want to share with platforms, ownership or sometimes partial ownership of an asset, whether it's digital and down the road physical as well. And then also there will be, of course, a lot of financial innovation around it, how to manage those NFT, to collateralize them and connect this with DeFi environment that is also been growing quite massively over the last two years. That's really interesting, Eric. You know, I was just thinking about it, right? This All this amount of money that's coming out, going into NFTs. I recently read something and I was just trying to imagine something bad must happen somewhere, right? And I just did a Google search and lo and behold, I, I spotted this thing. Maybe you can give your opinions with regards to this. Ben Moore, he's a London art curator. So he has a really long ongoing art exhibition on Stormtrooper helmets. I think quite cool. And he recently minted a thousand odd NFTs on these helmets. And he transacted about 1,600 ETH, or basically about $6.7 million for them, right? 
the artists didn't get anything, right? They didn't get anything, although they were the ones who painted the helmets. And they're filing for legal action as they didn't get anything. How do you see the legal world really catching up? Because this is such a new space, you know, everything is block-related. And how can legal action be taken if something like this goes wrong? It's a great question. And I think these issues that are happening now with NFTs have happened before in the traditional physical world as well. Technology is different, but the concepts are similar in that sense. And I would say probably on the legal front, the teams will catch up faster than on the regulatory front. It takes usually a bit more time to get there. And we see it also on our platforms. You know, we work very closely with a lot of creators, uh, you know, the, making sure they have the right to use the images or the art that they produce and distribute is already there. And it's something that platforms need to pay a lot of attention with and protect users as well from that perspective. So these problems are not new. They are a little bit more complex to manage in this new digital world, especially on platforms where there is less control or rights for people to seek compensation. But there will be a new framework, new rights that will come, and there will be frameworks for people to get protected. The idea of Web3 is really to empower creators. Uh, so they need to get a share of the value as well. So the frameworks will be built. That's interesting. So has there been anything that has happened you know, with regards to legal action on your platform? Because I think Crypto.com has an NFT platform. We take a very proactive approach on all these. And uh, we have large teams also reviewing the content, whether it's with our curated artists or also recently we opened up to third-party creators to join the platform. So they still have to make an application to showcase the work that they want to distribute and share with our users. So definitely there is a lot of checks that are happening to make sure that the platform is safe for users. But for sure, we've seen in many different platforms across the globe, especially those where there's a little bit less protection for the artist, these issues have happened many, many times. But I would say, you know, we're still finding the right way to make it work and to make sure the creators and the users are protected. So this will evolve and people will build better. Mm, that's interesting. And as you talked about your platform, right, I looked on Dapp Radar and you know, some of these data aggregators. Coinbase is going to set up something, you know, they got 2.5 million interest points, right, for them to, the users asking to sign up for the NFT platform. OpenSea is the most famous one out there. They've got 1.1 million traders. Xe has about 1.3 million. NBA is a pretty uh, top shot. It's also another Interesting part, you know, obviously the NFTs there are not as skyrocket prices, but still pretty interesting. You know, are there really advantages for a user to buy on a centralized platform like yourself or Coinbase? What's the advantages and disadvantages of going to an open platform like a DAO network like OpenSea versus centralized platform like yourself? I think if we look at the Crypto.com NFT platform, the main differentiator and the goal when we launched it in March uh, this year was really to make it super easy and enjoyable for anyone to discover, buy, exchange, as well as create NFTs. And we also wanted to do it in a sustainable way. And that's why we leverage our own public blockchain, crypto.org chain, that is kind of proof of stake that has minimal impact on the environment. So you have to look at the kind of the two use cases the, or the two type of users. You have buyers and you have the creators. I think for the buyers, to make it easy for them, we enable from day one all the different type of payment method you will find on, on Amazon. So it's as easy to buy an NFT, you know, two clicks, use your debit credit card, your bank account, or crypto, of course, 
to buy it and instantly have it in your wallet. And we also wanted to have kind of unique inventory for our users. And thanks to our partnership with folks like the 76ers, UFC, Aston Martin, and others, we're able to bring that unique content for them to interact with these brands and the work of the creators behind it. And what was very interesting in the case of UFC, you mentioned this example with Ben Moore, is that both the UFC franchise as well as the fighters are getting a share of the sale of the NFT, which is really in the spirit of what we're trying to do. We also are able to bring those very exciting PFP series. I don't know if our audience is familiar with it, but basically series of unique avatars, usually about 8, 10 or 12,000 that represent different characteristics of a user. It can help them express who they are, what they stand for and be part of a community. And we launched our first PFP series called Loaded Lions a couple of weeks back with tremendous engagement from the community. And that's for the buyers. For creators, really, we want to create that open environment where they can come, mint, and create NFT for free instantly, and they get access to our ecosystem. Today, we have more than 10 million users across the crypto.com platforms. And so for a creator coming in, launching their NFT, they can share their work with more than 10 million users instantly. So that's extremely powerful. And then the last point I would point out is the, which is very interesting with this NFT space we haven't touched upon, is the royalty system. For creators, it's fantastic. Each time their work is, is sold on the platform and then resold, they get royalty on it. And most of the time, it's about 10% of the value of the art and, and the collectible. And it continues in perpetuity while the asset is sold on the platform. So that's super hard to do in the real physical world, apart if you're one of the 1% artists and you go through auction houses all the time. So that, that's very powerful for them to be able to benefit from that. Eric, just uh, taking it from there, you do have today a platform where you can have buyer, seller, people can be engaged as you just described. Now, I did spend a lot of time with my kids also watching, uh, in some cases, movies and Ready Player One. I'm sure you're familiar with that. I see them also very engaged, playing games and also collecting, in a way, items. So how do you see the future here and, you know, the role of a platform where you can just trade NFTs, while at the same time we have now Metaverse where people start to buy property, create their own content, and would like also to collect some elements? I think Metaverse has been in the news for the last few weeks since uh, Facebook announced their rebranding, for sure. Everybody has talked about it. Microsoft and a few other of the the big tech companies have made similar announcements. So it's really top of mind. And you're right. NFT will play a super big role there, not only for the art pieces, but let's look at the gaming example. To represent skins or items within the game, then you can also sell in marketplaces and, and share with others. It will help you identify yourself. So as a proof of identity to connect to these platforms, it will represent virtual land or virtual real estate as well. And we've seen an explosion on this front in terms of the total sales of digital land on, on Decentraland and, and Sandbox. It's been very fascinating to watch. So really, whether it's items or power-ups within the games, whether it's to showcase your identity, whether it's to represent digital land or different type of assets, NFT will be everywhere in the metaverse especially if you look at metaverses that will be open and interoperable, which is very key if we want to build 
and the Web3 environment where actually people benefit from their creation and have better control over their money, data, and identity. That's interesting, Eric. I mean, uh, I think this interoperable you know, thing is really important where, I mean, I used to buy stuff online. My kids, you know, I pay for my kids, which is quite irritating. They don't earn their own money yet, so they ask me to buy stuff for them online. The frustrating thing is, if I buy something uh, for him on one game, he can't port it to the other game, right? It's not interoperable. So, And I really hope that at the end of the day, you know, my money in his games will be portable one day or another, you know. So I think this whole NFT thing is incredibly interesting. And I think let's just sum it up here. Number one, after listening to you and, you know, having some really interesting thoughts, I, I've gathered that number one, people really love to collect things. I don't know about you, but I mean, people really love to collect things in general. Some people like collect cars, cards, you know, now digital stuff. Actually, in a survey done in April this year of about 2,200 adults in the US, 25% of the adults who collected physical stuff already have NFTs. Quite amazing, actually. And I think that at the end of the day, you know, from what Nicola and yourself are saying, value is in the perception, right? How is a profile pic worth, I don't know, 1,000 ETH? I don't know. But someone did pay for it, right? That's the perception that's happening now. The thing is, I think that, uh, like you rightly put, you know, if we don't get it, there are a lot out of, the, you know, the world is moving on from where we are. And of course, you said that there's some, as Nicola was just saying that, you know, there is obviously some hype and froth in some parts of this. I still can't bear to pay, you know, 1000 E for a profile picture, you know, on my Twitter account. But that's where I guess all the listeners and investors need to do your own research at the end of the day. So great. Well, that's all the time we have for today. To those tuning in, thank you for joining me. And on behalf of Nicola and Eric and all of us here at Julius Bear, we thank you for listening. Goodbye. See you next time. Thank you, guys. You have been listening to Beyond Markets by Julius Bear. If you like what you heard, subscribe to our show on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen. To learn more about Julius Bear, our people, our latest thinking, visit us at www.juliusbear.com. We will be back with a brand new episode soon. This is a podcast disclaimer. The information and opinions expressed in this podcast constitute marketing material and are not the result of independent financial or investment research. The podcast content is intended for information purposes only and does not constitute an offer, a recommendation or an invitation by or on behalf of Julius Baer to buy or sell any securities, security-based derivatives or other products or to participate in any particular trading strategy in any jurisdiction. Julius Baer does not accept liability for any loss arising from the use of the podcast content. Please refer to www.juliusbear.com forward slash legal forward slash podcasts for further important legal information.